welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Uh, harvest, we're talking about the lost, we're talking about prodigals. And so our series is back to the start. Today's message is called Take a Walk and then Five Steps to Being His Witnesses. Okay, take a walk. Everybody say take a walk. Take a walk. walk. And then five steps to being his witnesses. Um, I noticed how I used steps in context of taking a walk. You see that there? Steps, walk, they all works together. My subtitle works. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I know. I had to explain. It was... It was, it was. You know what, in the first service, uh, I had to get Pastor Jen to come up and just share something, and then everybody was finally happy and excited, so you might have to be ready to come up here again and share something. Acts chapter 1 is where we're starting at, if I can ever get my Bible there. Uh, So we're talking about evangelism. We're preparing our hearts that as we move towards Easter, that we are thinking about the lost. We're thinking about not just ourselves, but the people in our world around us that need the Jesus that we have received, uh, that they need him in his life as well. Amen? Because this isn't just all for us. This isn't just about getting our lives cleaned up and squared away and looking good and, and making it to the end successfully. This is about having Jesus radically change and transform who we are and then turning around and giving that away to all those people that we come encounter with, right? If we can't get on the same page with that statement, we might need to park here for a while and go really deep. This, this is the, I mean, last week we looked at the, some of the last words of Jesus to his disciples as he was preparing to ascend into heaven. His, his earthly time here was finished. He was about ready to go. And he said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. I could say anything to you right now. I could tell you how to bake the world's best lasagna and you could be rich and famous of it. Now I'm not going to, but I'm gonna tell you the most important thing on my mind at this moment as I'm preparing to leave you in human form forever is you need to go into the world and make disciples. That's what was in his heart and on his mind in his last moments to share. The book of Acts chapter one is where we're gonna start. This is Luke's account of the ascension of Jesus. That picture we saw that we're using for Easter was Jesus ascending into heaven after he just had this conversation that we're about to look at with the disciples. And it says in verse six, it says this. uh, When the apostles were at Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They were still stuck on that. And so he replies, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they're not for you to know. Well, don't you love it when you ask the Lord a question and he just answers your question with like, that's not your business? Anybody ever had that? Lord, but what about this? You know what, man, that's not your, that's not, you don't need to worry about it. Uh, but what about this, Father? Oh, you don't need to worry about that either. Uh, what about this thing though, God? We can surely talk about this. He's like, no, that's not your business either. But then Jesus goes on and he starts the next sentence with the word but, right? But. But means I've got something else you need to hear. Like you asked the question, not important. We're not going to talk about it. But here's what we are going to talk about. And so this is what was in Jesus' heart and mind. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
and you will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Telling people about me, everybody say me, everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're going to stop here on this verse for a few moments, and then we're going to go look in Luke chapter 24, and we're going to talk about taking a walk today. Um, first thing I want you to know here is this, in verse 8. This is very important for you to know. It says, verse 8, you will receive power. Everybody say power. Okay, that word power is the Greek word dunamis, and it literally means miracle working power. Look at your neighbor and say, you will receive miracle working power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Look at your other neighbor and say, yeah, he's even talking about you too. You count too. You're included in this too. Listen, I want to remind you, I told you this last Sunday, I really believe that we are moving into a day and an age where the Spirit of God is wanting to move not just in word, but in signs and wonders as well. I believe that we're moving into a time when you are testifying and witnessing about the goodness of God in your life to your friends, to your neighbors, to your co-workers, to your bosses, to the people who work for you. When you were talking about them, that you are not just sharing words, but God is moving in those moments in signs and wonders showing those people that he is alive, that he is real, that he is strong, and that he is true. Right? So he said, you will receive dunamis, miracle-working power. That means this, that when you are having those conversations and you find yourself in those places, that you are not relying solely on your own uh, thoughts, your own desires, your own passions, but you are, while you are discussing Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you, that you are listening to the Holy Spirit to say and do what he wants you to say and do. How many times have you talked to somebody and the Spirit of God said, say this to that person, and then you say it and everything changes. And they say, how did you know that? How did you know that's what I'm dealing with? How did you know that's how I feel? How did you know that I just had that same thought? Well, I didn't know it. It was the Spirit of God. You've got to tell me more about this Spirit of God. What is the Spirit of God? Great question. Glad you asked. Let's go deep. He says, you will receive power. And then he goes on and says, and it's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's important to know. Then he says, and you will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses again. All right. Here's what this word witnesses means. It's the Greek word martus, which is where we get the word martyr from. Who knows what a martyr is? Someone who dies for Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And it's this, Martus means this, so when he says, you'll be my witnesses, what he's saying is, literally, do we have this? Yeah, it says, one, you will be one who has information or knowledge of him, and hence, then you are one who can give information, bring to light, or confirm something about him to all people. Did you get that? I don't know if you did. Let's read it again. He says, you're going to be my witnesses. So he's saying that you, Jacob, Dana, Beth, you, Cherokee, you, Johnny, you, Chad, you, Willow, you, Pat, you, Rich, are going to be one who has information or knowledge about me. And since that's the case, since that's true, you are going to be one who, since you know it, since you have the information, you're going to turn around and give information. You are going to bring things to light, and you are going to confirm who God is to other people. That's what being his witness is really about. 
that you are talking about him, that you're not talking about yourself, that you are talking about him, that you're confirming who he is and what he's done. And he says, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's what I love. See, when Jesus was talking, they were in Jerusalem. Jesus starts, he says, you know where you're going to be my witnesses at? You know where you're going to confirm with things about me at? You know who you're going to influence? You're going to influence, you're going to talk about me, you're going to be my witness right where you live. He started right where they're at, and then he begins to move out from that point. He doesn't start around the world. He doesn't start on the other side of the world. He doesn't start at the very top of the world. He doesn't start at the very bottom of the world. He doesn't say, hey, to be a witness about me, to be, to be my witness, you've got to get on a plane. You've got to fly 37 hours. I don't even know if that's impossible to fly 37 hours around the world. But you've got to get on a plane, and you've got to travel, you've got to take a train, then you've got to get on a boat, and then you've got to find yourself in the deepest, darkest part of the jungle where nobody lives, and you find people who are still wearing loincloths and don't know anything about Jesus, and then you're my witness. No. He says, Dave, you're going to be my witness right where you live, right at your job, right in your home right in your marriage, right with your family, right with your neighbors, even the one who always parks his car a little bit in front of your driveway. So every time you pull out, you got to drive around this guy's car. You're like, oh, this guy just gets me every time. You're called to be a witness right there, and you expand out from there. This is what he's talking about. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. For, for you and for me, if you live in Abbotsford, he's basically saying, you are called to be my witnesses in Abbotsford, in the Fraser Valley, in BC, in Canada, and the rest of the world. That's where you're a witness at. We get it so messed up sometimes, we think that only evangelists can be witnesses about God, but if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to him, then Johnny is called to be a faithful witness of Jesus Christ everywhere he goes. And so literally everywhere that Johnny finds himself, in every conversation, uh, you are supposed to be having your ear turned so that you can listen to the voice of God and say, God, what is it you want to happen in this moment right now? Is this just a random conversation about uh, squash at the grocery store? Or is this an open door that I am supposed to walk through and bring truth and healing and wholeness to this person? What is this moment for? That should be a, that should be a question that is on your mind all the time. What is this moment for? What is this encounter for? I was telling the people in the first service that I think a lot about the, the random people that you see every day. The people that you make eye contact with, the people that serve you at a drive-thru or in a restaurant or when you're getting your dry cleaning or when you're going to the movies or when you're doing whatever it is you do, wherever it is you go and, you know, getting your oil changed and you have these interactions with them. I think a lot about all those people and they all add up. Do you ever think about really how many people that you probably see and encounter each day of your life? And then I begin to think about what is each one of those encounters for? Well, each encounter that you have with somebody, you've got to turn your ear to heaven and say, God, what is this moment for? What kind of witness am I called to be for you right here and right now in this moment? So we're talking about taking a walk. And I was thinking about this. Go with, go with me to Acts, or not Acts, sorry, um, Luke chapter 24. Turn your Bibles there, and I'll tell you what I was thinking about while you're turning there. 
I was thinking about how many followers of Jesus on the journey of life, many followers of Jesus are more of a road sign than they are an adventurer. And what I mean by that is that many followers of Jesus are like those pictures that we all see of somebody standing in a busy street corner, standing up holding a sign that says the end of the world is near. And we're just a road sign that people walk by. There's not a lot of interaction. We just stand here. And everybody looks at us and says, man, that dude is weird. Don't talk to that guy. He's going to probably tell you how you're living all wrong and your life's a mess and repent or burn. You know what I'm talking about? And what I think really we're called to be like in life is people like Jesus who go and adventure through life and take walks with people and begin to have conversations pointing to him. Too many times we're standing there with a sign saying, you've messed it all up and you're living wrong and you're doing things you shouldn't do, when in reality we need to come alongside somebody and begin to walk through life with them. Jesus said, he said, don't go make converts. What he said is go into all the world and make disciples. To disciple somebody means that you walk the road with them, that you teach them what you have learned. And you know what? That takes time. It takes a lot of conversations. And sometimes it takes the same conversation over and over and over again until you're saying, good Lord, how many times have I got to tell this person this? How many times can I say the same thing over and... No, you cannot do that. Why? Because the Bible says this. But I don't understand. I, I know. Let's just talk about it some more. Discipleship is walking a road with somebody. So in Luke chapter 24, here we see Jesus taking a walk with people. And if we're going to follow anybody in this world, I think Jesus is a good example of who to follow. I know I'm pretty far out in my thinking, but I feel like Jesus is a good person to emulate. So Luke chapter 24, this is after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And in verse 13, we're going to pick up here. And it says this, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus. And it was seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, this journey that they began, the average person walks two to four miles an hour, okay? So that means that this, this walk, this little jaunt they were going on, uh, lasted anywhere from two-ish hours, a little bit more than two hours, to maybe three and a half hours, okay? So that's a decent walk they're going on. And this is what they're doing. They're walking, the Bible says they're walking seven miles from Jerusalem. Verse 14, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Happen. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Hey, Jesus himself suddenly began walking with them. Here's what's great, is these men didn't see Jesus walking. He said, oh, hey, there's Jesus. Let's go hang out with him. The Bible says that they were walking, caught up in their own conversation, going somewhere, and Jesus himself came and joined himself to them. Sometimes you got to get out of your everyday life and go take a walk with somebody. It's most oftentimes not convenient. Pastor Jen said it's not always going to be convenient. Most times it's very inconvenient. 
Yep, and uncomfortable. All kinds of things. But the first step is, is if we really are called to give away what we've been given, how selfish is it of us, really? If you stop and think about it, if, if we just hang on to the freedom, to the healing, to the restoration, to the life, to anything that you could go through and name that you have received from Christ, how selfish is it of us to hang on to those things and think, this is just for me. I'm special. This is mine. We are called to take what we've been given and turn around and give it away to others. And so you see here, the first things is in taking a walk. Listen, and as we talk about this, I want to tell you two things. First of all, this is all predicated on love. We talked about last week how you wouldn't really go and share the good news of Jesus with others if you did not love them. Jesus shared uh, who he was. Jesus went and did amazing things with people. Jesus came down from heaven to earth because of love, right? And so this all starts with love. Like we have to have love for other people. Here's the second thing I want to tell you. There's a lot of ways that you can go and evangelize and witness to people, but Jesus said to make disciples, and then Jesus right here is walking on this road. And so today, this is just what we're going to look at together. So you don't feel like you need to come up with me like, actually, here's my dissertation on why this form of evangelism only works, okay? You can keep your dissertation. Today, this is just a conversation and a thought about Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus and how we need to walk with people in our own life. Are we okay with that? Okay, let's keep going. So it says here, first of all, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began talking with them, but God kept them from recognizing them. So the first thing I want to tell you is this, is that you have to join their journey. Sometimes you've got to take a walk with people. Sometimes it's inconvenient. It's going to cost you things. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you uh, finances sometimes, but you've got to join people's journey. You've got to meet them where they're at so that you can begin to walk through life with them and answer their questions and ask Ask them questions and give them answers. All right? You seem really excited about this. Pastor Jen, maybe you need to come up and share something so we can get. Verse 17 says this. It says, he asked them, this is Jesus, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short and sadness was written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened here the last few days. I love how they're saying this to Jesus. How, how, yeah, you must be the only person in the world that hasn't happened, heard what just happened here. Like, you, man, are you living under a rock how do you not know? The whole city is in an uproar. How do you not know what's been going on? And Jesus' response is great. Jesus just says, what things? What are you talking about? What crazy things happened here? I don't know anything about it. Tell me. Tell me all about it. I, I love this response. Here's why I love this response. Because so many times, many followers of Jesus cannot wait 
to just tell people where they're wrong, what they've done, how they've made a mistake of things, and just begin to dump all of their spiritual truth and knowledge on them. And these people are like, what is happening right now? When sometimes what you need to do is ask people questions so that you can hear what's inside of their own hearts and lives and then come back with the truth. Maybe sometimes we just need to, as hard as it is, just shut up and listen for a few minutes until we find out the real questions these people are really asking. Instead of telling them the questions they, we think they should be asking. You know, I was talking in the first service about the difference between jogging and walking. And I was telling a story about how one time I went running with a friend. And every runner runs a different, at a different pace and with a different cadence. And it's hard when you run by yourself and you, you're used to setting your own pace, you're used to setting your own cadence and your own stride, and then you join with somebody else, and you have to find that sweet spot. Well, one time I went running with a friend, and um, he just took off from the gate. Like, and I, I'm okay running. Like, I'm one of those people that running isn't super hard for me. I, I can run, and it doesn't, like, doesn't wipe me out, and I can do it. Uh, but I run at my own speed. I run at my own pace, like a slow shuffle. You might call it a walk. <laughs> and uh, so we went running, and this guy just took off. And I usually, like, a comfortable running speed for me is, like, whoop, maybe six and a half miles an hour is about where I run at. But this guy was running faster than that. And so I had to keep pace with him because I didn't, wanna, I didn't want him to have to slow down and come to my level. But what happened was, was in my running, trying to keep up with him, I found that I was wheezing and trying to talk at the same time. And I didn't love it. I didn't let me like, so, and then I said, what color clothes do you like? And it just sounded weird, and it wasn't fun, and it was tiring, and I was wheezing. I didn't love it. And so I realized that if I wanted to have an intelligent conversation with somebody, I had to walk at the same speed they were at. And so when Jesus just says to these people, what are you talking about? What things have happened? Instead of him saying, you guys got it all messed up. You got to catch up with me. I'm going to tell you everything that you don't know. I'm going to tell you the points that you missed. I'm going to tell you how your eyes are blind right now. And it's me, Jesus, you're talking to, but you can't see it because you're so far behind me. So catch up. What Jesus did was slow down his pace and walked at their speed and allowed them to talk. And many times in your life, when you take a walk with somebody, instead of saying to them, hey, you, hey, you who are weaker in the faith than me, hey, you who are lost and don't know Jesus, catch up with me. You should know these things already. Why don't you know this? Why are you walking in sin? Why are you living? Get right here. Heal, heal, heal. Maybe we need to meet with people where they're at so that we can bring them truth and life and healing and hope. This is what Jesus is doing. Man, come on, this guy just rose from the dead. Even in his rising from the grave, he finds himself at a place where he's having conversations. He's probably saying to himself, I cannot wait to get off this planet. <laughs> I'm always having to have the, I got Peter that I have to have the same conversations with over and over again. 
And now i got these two guys here. They don't, they don't even know it's me, and I've got to slow down, and I've got to begin to have a conversation with them at their level. And I want to tell you something. It's okay. It's not a lack of faith. It's not a lack of believing in God for you to have conversations at people's level. Somewhere we've got it stuck in our minds that everybody has to be on the same level. And if you have to slow down and talk to somebody with where they're at, that somehow you are betraying your faith. Can I just tell you that's not true? You don't raise a child and be like, come on, you're six months old. We're all eating steak for dinner. Now eat it. (laughs) I have no teeth. Eat the steak. Join me. It's good for you. (laughs) You got to take that walk with people. Verse 17 and 19, what do you see Jesus doing? He's asking them questions. What is he saying? What's happening in your world? What's he really saying? How can I meet you on your terms and bring you healing and hope in life right now? Let me hear what's going on inside of you so that I can fix it. Instead of being people that show up and say, actually, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to diagnose you right now. Oh, I can see your life. You're a mess. Let me tell you everything that's going on inside. I'm going to tell you what you need to do to fix it. Jesus said, why don't you tell me what questions you have? And these guys just begin to dump on Jesus. Look at this. Verse 19, he says, what things? And they say, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. Duh. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders, they handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. This says, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel, and this all happened three days ago, man. Like, where have you been for three days? This says, then, get this guy. They don't even know his name, so they're calling him Guy. They're like, get this. Then, Some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early today this morning. It says they came back with an amazing report, and they said his body was missing, and they'd seen some angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women said. And you're standing here asking us, what things? Those are the things that we're talking about. And it's important to note, In verse 17, it says, they stopped short with sadness written all over their face. They're dumping out of their hearts about what's going on. They're trying to process, is Jesus the Messiah? He said he was. He died, and now his body's gone. He said he was going to rise again. We didn't really understand him. He kept talking about it all the time. He said stuff like, we got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And I did not understand that, but I was following him. And now some of our followers, they went into his tomb this morning, and he was gone, and we just don't know what's happening. And Jesus is asking him these questions. What's, what's going on in your life? Ask people questions. And they begin to answer. You know, something I've learned the older I get is that you learn a whole lot more about people just by listening than anything else. And if you begin to listen to people talk, you find out, the holes and the needs and the 
longings and the desires and the brokenness and the wounds in their lives that need healing. And this is what Jesus is doing. And so when you take a walk with somebody, take the time just to listen to them and see what comes out of them. Listen to them, hang on, and listen to the Holy Spirit so you can see how to fix that. It's a day and age of signs and wonders. of God wanting to reveal himself. Look at this. Let's see how Jesus responds to them dumping their hearts out. Verse 25. And this is, this is where many followers of Jesus fall short, is right here in these two verses. Many followers of Jesus were good at befriending people. We're good at walking with people. We're good at asking questions to hear their story, to hear their heart, to hear what's going on inside of them. But when they tell us these things, sometimes something inside of us just, it causes us to stop instead of pushing it over to the edge to answer the questions about what they really need. Do you know anybody like that? Probably not you, but maybe like a neighbor, maybe your spouse, maybe one of your friends, your best friend. Maybe they can't just drive the point home. And we stop short of this And look at Jesus' response in verse 25. He says, I understand, guys. I feel your pain. I don't know what happened to that Jesus guy either. I thought he was going to be amazing. I thought he was the son of God. But now what? His body's gone? And they said, yeah, we know. We're all pretty bummed out. Jesus said, me too. And they went and sat down and they had a nap together. No, that's not what happened. (laughs) Jesus says this. (laughs) He says, you foolish people. You dum-dums. He says, you find it so hard to believe that all the prophets wrote in the scripture? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Well, what are you guys missing? This is where we fall short, is people pour out their hearts, and they tell us how broken they are. They tell us the hurts and the needs they have in their life, and we have the answer. And instead of saying, hey, man, let me tell you what you need, we say, I get it. Life's really hard. Have you tried a reverse mortgage for your bank? (laughs) I hear they're really good. People are tough, dude. Yeah. People are hard. Jesus just helped this person. <laughs> Jesus just calls them out and says, How do you, what are you missing here? You've got the scriptures and you can read it for yourself and you know what the answers are. And the Bible says, he tells them this. Then it says, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures things concerning himself. Here's the next thing you got to go. So you got to go on a journey with them. You got to take that walk. You got to ask questions. And then you have to answer their questions. And when you answer their questions, it's not with your own wisdom. It's not with your own knowledge. But it's through the word of God. And it's by the Holy Spirit. As you speak to them, you're bringing them his truth, his healing, his hope, his revelation, his restoration. You have to have an answer for their questions. And the answer, like we tell the kids in Sunday school, is always...
Yes, please, come. Preaching fire, babe. That's so good. Um, I felt prompted by the Lord to say this in the nine. I feel prompted again. Is that when you find yourself in these moments, um, don't be afraid of what you don't know. I want to say that again. Don't be afraid of what you don't know. And don't let fear stop you from entering into a moment that you know that you are meant to to walk in or, you know, to be all present in, is that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your teacher. And he will fill you and and show you and teach you what to say in that moment. So as you purpose, I believe every time as we purpose to enter into a moment um, drawn by the love of God and, and, you know, in the love of God, that his perfect love casts out all fear. So we don't have to be afraid in those moments that we are trusting our good, good father, that he will fill us and we will have the answer. We don't have to have all the answers, but it can be him in us and through us. Amen. And as we trust him, as we take those steps, you know, as we take these steps for some of us, like this is scary stuff. But it's exciting stuff because we were all meant for this. We were created for this. I was thinking about, as you were preaching, 2024 being a year of more. I'm like, okay, apostles, there's fivefold, okay? Apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, where's the evangelist, you know? Well, here's all the evangelists. We're all the evangelists. And as, as, the, as the Spirit of God says, 2024, a year of more, you know what I saw? I saw it was like we're just like a bird, and the Lord's just like fluffing up more of our feathers, our evangelistic feathers of stepping into one of the callings that we were created for. This is exciting. It's a great adventure to quote Stephen Curtis Chapman, you know. You know, you were made for this. We were made for this. And I promise you, as you take courage in the Lord and you step into this, into other people's story and you have an opportunity to hear their story and perhaps share your story, you're, ent- you're going to enter into another dimension of the love of God that you were created for. And you're going to know in that moment, I was created for this. And you're going to get hooked. You're going to get hooked and you're going to do it over and over and over again. And you know who's going to get the glory? He is. You know who's going to get helped? Everybody else that you come in contact with. (laughs) There's the clap. There's the clap. (laughs) See, guys, here's what happened. The first service went the same way, and then Jen came up and shared, and everybody liked what Jen said. You know, I'm never looking for words of affirmation. I'm just looking for, I always want the word of God to find a home in our hearts. That's what I'm looking for. And so, you know, I'm just looking for it to find its way in there through all the cracks and the walls and the wounds, that it's finding its way deeper inside of us so that it affects change in us because this isn't just about us, that everybody would know the unfailing love of God and have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So there's, there's two more things here real quick we're going to look at. I'm almost done. Going on here, it says, so he answered their questions. Listen, five steps to being his witness. You got to take a walk with people. You got to join their journey. You got to listen to their questions. You got to ask questions. You've got to listen to their questions. They've got to answer their questions when they have them. Then you see this here. It says, by this time, they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if he was going to go on. 
But they begged him and said, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly, in that moment, in that action, it says, suddenly, their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Listen, here's the last thing I want to tell you this morning about this, is that your lives are what give your words their strength and their authority. Listen, your life is the biggest testimony and witness of who God is and what he's done to you. More than any catchphrase you can come up with, more than any one-line saying that you can share with people about who he is and what he's done for you. You know, the Christian world loves a good, like, one-liner. Pastors get them all the time. They get up there and they got, like, they got a sermon. They got all these one-liners they want to share with you so that you can, like, take them home and be like, yeah, this is what the pastor said today. And it's got, it's got a rhyme. It's always got a rhyme. But listen, beyond any word, or anything you can say or any, any, any testimony you can give somebody, what they're looking at beyond that, Nick, is they're looking at your life to see if your life lines up with what your words say. You're saying all these things, but does your life line up with what the things that you're talking about? Do you live what you're telling me to live? Do you live like you believe the salvation you're preaching to me? Your life is your greatest witness and your greatest testimony of Jesus. It goes on and Jesus disappears. Man, sometimes I just wish that I could have been there for some of these things. Walking down the road with Buddy Guy. He just starts reaming you out because... You're sad that Jesus is gone. You're like, well, I thought he was going to stick around. I thought he was going to save us. And then this guy just starts laying into you. Then you invite him into your home. And suddenly you realize it's the Messiah. And poof, he's gone. And these two boys are sitting there after Jesus has left. Imagine that was a bit of a conversation. How long was that walk? How tired are you, man? Like, just honest, did you think, like, do you remember having somebody else on the walk with us? Or, yeah, there was definitely somebody there. And they're sitting there, and they begin to discuss this. And one of them says to the other one, hey, when he was talking about the scriptures, didn't something begin to happen inside of you? The scripture says, didn't our hearts start to burn inside of us? Listen, when you're taking a walk with people and you're journeying through life with them, there should be a burning inside of their hearts that is taking place when you're not around. There should be an awakening that's happening inside of them where they're saying, there's something about that guy. There's something about that girl. I don't know what it is, man, but when I'm with Haley, there's something. She leaves, and like there's, there's the words that she says, they're not just normal words. It's, 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 it's making me feel things inside. It's making me have questions deep down inside like I've never had before. Something is stirring inside of me, and when she's gone, I want to be back around her so that I can have these conversations some more. And if people, when they leave your presence, they're not saying those things about you, you might want to begin to ask yourself some questions. We're called to be peculiar people. We're called to be different. 
And we are called to be his witnesses. And our life is called to be a testimony of his goodness. And so as a follower of Jesus, David, you're called to point people to him everywhere you go. Levi, when you're on the job site, your life is supposed to be living testimony where people can look at you and say, man, there's something about that guy. I saw that tractor just drive over his toe and he didn't even cuss that guy out. I want to know what's up with that guy. Stand up with me. I want to pray for us this morning. This is what I did in the first service, and I want to do it again in this service as well. And I want to pray for us for two things. The first thing I want to pray is this. We're talking about we're talking about the lost and we're talking about prodigals and we're talking about people who've turned their backs on Jesus or or maybe not even really turned their backs on Jesus, but are just not living their lives to Jesus like they know they should. Which in a sense is turning your back on Jesus. But I want you to close your eyes with me and I want you just to kind of quiet your heart and your mind. And if you're in this place and you've either never given your life to Jesus or you have walked away from Jesus or you've hardened your heart to the Father or you're just not living your life like you know you really should. There's areas of your life that you haven't surrendered completely. Then I want you to slip up your hand and we're going to pray all together. And we need to get used to this and comfortable with this because One of the big points of all this is people returning to him. And so if if you're here and if as I was speaking this morning, you're saying, my heart was burning inside of me. There's things that I need to make right. There's, There's changes I need to make. I need to turn things around. I need to make new choices. I want you to slip up those hands. We're going to pray all together. We're going to repeat this prayer after me all together. We're all going to say it. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. There's something so wonderful about surrender to the King of Kings. All right, let's all pray this together. Say this after me. Father, I come to you today and I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. I say, have your way in every area. I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and he has risen from the grave. I give you permission to work in my life and do what only you can do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. 
If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.